This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Sunny today, high near 41. Mostly clear tonight, low around 23. Wednesday will be sunny with a high near 44. Binghamton City Council may consider a call for a referendum on a proposal to transfer law enforcement duties to the New York State Police and the Broome County Sheriff's Office. John Solak, a West Side resident last month, submitted a request for legislation that would schedule a city referendum in November on a plan to dissolve the Binghamton Police Department. Solak told WNBF News he's calling for the city agency to be dissolved as of January 1st with policy responsibilities within Binghamton to be turned over to the state and county departments. The proposal was placed on the agenda for city council's Monday evening work session. Solak said Binghamton residents are paying county taxes to fund the sheriff's office while that agency provides no law enforcement patrols within the city. He said dissolving the police department would reduce the city's potential liabilities to zero for complaints alleging wrongdoing by law enforcement personnel. In a statement issued on Monday, Tompkins County Legislature Mike Sigler, a Republican, who was running for the 52nd District State Senate seat, criticized the proposal. He said, quote, this kind of extreme defund the police sentiment is completely and utterly absurd. A corrections investigation led to a felony contraband charge after a shank was uncovered at the Broome County Sheriff's Correctional Facility. Investigators from the Corrections Investigation Unit of the Broome County Sheriff's Office received information on a shank, a homemade dangerous instrument located in one of the housing units at the Broome County Correctional Facility. On Friday, February 2nd, Corrections investigator and zone rover corrections officers initiated a search of several cells within the housing unit. One of the cells searched was that of Alexander Lavelle, who was currently incarcerated on a felony burglary charge. Investigators were able to successfully locate and secure a solid, sharpened piece of plastic from under the mattress in Lavelle's cell. The sharpened plastic was taken from the arm of a pair of eyeglasses. Lavelle was charged with promoting prison contraband in the first degree, a Class D felony. Binghamton police say a man whose body was found in a burning house has been positively identified. Firefighters discovered the body about 35 minutes after they forced their way into the boarded-up building at 2 Pleasant Street on the north side on the morning of January 15th. Detective Captain Corey Minor said the man was Nathaniel Jenkins. Miner said his death was due to carbon monoxide poisoning. He did not provide a specific cause of the blaze, but said it's been ruled accidental. Authorities said people were known to have been staying in what was supposed to be a secure, vacant building. One other man who had been in the house at the time of the fire was evaluated for smoke inhalation. He was not taken to the hospital. A family-operated grocery store in the Southern Tier that's been in operation for nearly a century is soon going out of business. Ted Clark's busy market in Tioga County in Waverly has announced its plans to close its doors at the end of the month. The store on Broad Street has served the community for more than 92 years. 
Tim Clark owns the market with Kathy Clark Morehouse, his sister, and Andy Forrest, the store manager. Clark said the 45 full and part-time employees of the business were advised of the impending closing last Thursday. Clark told WNBF News the business has been struggling to deal with rising overall costs in recent years, including piece of payroll, utilities, it's everything. He said not political, despite the comments some people are making. February 29th is expected to be the last day of operation for the store. Cannabis retailers in Connecticut are experiencing a shortage of marijuana. Well, in New York State, growers recently dealt with an excess. Connecticut legalized recreational marijuana use a year ago. There were then seven dispensaries and four producers in the state. Now there are 26 open dispensaries, but just one micro-grower has been added to the supply line. Meanwhile, lawsuits and bureaucratic issues left the first wave of pot farmers in New York unable to sell much of their fall 2022 harvests because there were too few stores to sell what they grew. Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro is set to deliver his second budget proposal to lawmakers. The Democrat has released few details of his spending plan for the 2024-25 fiscal year. He's expected to return today with bigger proposals for higher education institutions, underfunded public schools, and economic development. The governor is looking at a relatively strong fiscal position. He will almost certainly propose an operating budget that goes above this year's $45 billion. Shapiro will deliver his budget address to a joint session of the House and Senate. The Republican-controlled Senate and Democratic-controlled House will begin budget hearings in two weeks. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. Joseph, this is Binghamton Now for Tuesday, February 6, 2024. Good morning and welcome to Mr. Joseph's Neighborhood, 607-772-1290. Look forward to your call and um, a lot to talk about today. Hold on, let me uh, say something to the cameraman. All right. Thank you. Hey, thank you, cam- cameraman over here at... Cameraman. Wait. <laughs> Is that what I'm upset now? Yeah, go to go over to the... Uh, well, that, let me, that, put, that let tree. me put your stool back. Oh, yeah. Thank your stool. Yeah, sir. since I'm... Uh, Sorry, sir, I forgot to put your stool back here. I'm, okay, you go over to that tree over there. 
That tree. And it's sad because I'm short, so I have to have a stool here to stand in the studio. Yes. Randy Newman is calling for you oh, online, too. I hate that song. Me, too. So, probably well, here. You're, you're not short. Well, you're not either. Well. I mean, you're no George Pataki. See? <laughs> Which is weird because all of my uncles, my father, my brothers are all, you know, around six feet or over. And It's weird, though. Your middle name is Elmer. Donald Elmer Morgan. So that's the okay. one thing you have in common with George Pataki. You know, sure, it's yeah. your, not many people in America have the courage to give their son or even daughter a middle name, Elmer. Yeah. Elmer, true. Elmerina. My middle name is my father's name. Yeah. First name, my grandfather's first name. And half of my uh, cousins are all have the same middle name as I do. Really? I don't get it. Oh, no. Lack uh, of creativity. Yeah. Norman. <laughs> really? Yeah. The friendly store that saves you more. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. How about this? <laughs> I just thought, bring back Normans. See you at the Normans. Yeah. I even say I wrote a song I just in my that, spare time. I remember that store. Oh. <sighs> The friendly store. Back in the day. Well, they had two. Oh, did they? That I did. Which one know. did you remember? The one on court. Just as around the corner there. Oh, near the curve. Yeah. Uh, Alice Street. Wasn't yeah. around the yeah. on the curve there. Yeah. Well, I used to try to go there, but I could never slow down enough to make the turn, <laughs> so I always missed the turn, and I wound up over at Cortese. Uh-huh. Yeah, I can understand that. Uh, the Normans that I like best, and someday I'll tell you, inside stories... See yeah. you at the Normans and the Endwell Plaza. That oh. was the one. Okay. That's the one where it'd be happening. It's before my Binghamton time. It was. One time I was working at a radio station. They moved from Endicott over yeah. to Endwell because they, the guy who ran the radio station, he said, there are two things I need for my new location for my radio station. A, be next door to a donut shop. So Mr. Donut was next door. And B, be directly across the street from a speedy shack and oh, wow. Lupo's chart pit was and it was the best place to work and then yeah. you know sadly I started working here and we have no donuts <laughs> and no speedies so. speaking of grocery stores it was sad to see that you wrote about uh, Ted Clark's yeah. and, and uh, Waverly I go there a lot and I'll tell you right now and it's for those who don't know, um, it sounds weird, but they have the the, the cottage cheese. The best cottage cheese in it the was, world. Thank you, you know. And there was, uh, I think you know who uh, one of our former colleagues who had brought that to my attention. Because yeah. I, I, until it was brought to my attention, I don't think I'd ever been to Ted's Busy Market, Ted Clark's Busy Market in yeah. Waverly on Broad Street. And after I was advised about that, Whatever it was with the cottage cheese, oh, you got to check it out. Yeah. And I said, okay, I will. Yeah, I mean, cottage cheese is cottage cheese. Yeah. But no. Ted Clark's Busy Market had the <laughs> cottage cheese. Yes, had nice little flavor to yeah. it. Delicious. Every time I would go home to visit the family in the Corning area, I would stop by yeah. and get a pint. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, they had so much... Um, well, not just in the village of Waverly, but also the people in Sare. And I was talking to um, Tim Clark, the a co-owner. He owns yeah. it with his sister and also with the uh, the store manager. And had a good conversation with him yesterday about uh, the store, about making the tough decision to close. And he said they have 45 full and part-time employees. Wow. So I, I didn't realize they had that many people. So they were advised that the place is going to close. One thing he said, and who knows what 
ultimately this could mean. So now they are listing the building, the property on the market. Now, it had not been listed before. He told me they hadn't previously sought a buyer, but now uh, apparently it's going to be listed. And who knows? I mean, somebody might come along... That would be nice. Danny Wegman. I don't... <laughs> can you imagine? I, the, the one thing, and when I was talking with Ted Clark, excuse me, Tim Clark, yesterday, I think his father was Ted, um, he, uh, I, I said, well, uh, do you know what the square footage is of the store? He didn't know off the top of his head. I said, yeah. well, the one thing that I can tell you, and he's, well, actually, he said, well, you know, it's kind of small. I said, I know, I've been there. And I said, you could probably, this was just a guesstimate, you could probably fit at least three Ted Clark's busy markets inside the Johnson City Wegmans, maybe four. Sure. Because Johnson City Wegmans is about 135,000 square feet. The times I've been there, I mean, anything you need, they had. Yeah. And they had a great deli. Yeah, and great people. Yep. Go there and get get yourself a, a dinner quickly if you didn't yeah. want to, you know, make your own dinner. Yeah. So well, I, yeah. I saw on the signs out front. I was looking at the history of the signs that you know they would have like chicken dinner, chicken and biscuits dinner, yep. or whatever, and always at um, a re- reasonable price. So well, yeah, that's uh, that's going to be a tough tough adjustment. Mister Clark told me he said, well. One thing that's interesting is there are quite a few people, say, from the triple cities who wind up patronizing the store, say, if they go down to Robert Packer Hospital, very close, and, um, you know, they'll stop in, get that cottage cheese. (laughs) I want cottage cheese. (laughs) Again, here's the weird thing, though. Yeah. I'm not necessarily a cottage cheese fan, but after, I mean... It's good, but I normally wouldn't eat it on its sure. own. Sometimes my mom used to put it in lasagna. It was her okay, lasagna so you, recipe. You, know, you walk into, you know, you'll see a lot of, of, of small stores like that where you walk in and you've got people manning the the deli area and the meat and that the meat uh, oh, yeah. department too. You know, and yeah, yeah, just, the, the butcher. And he said yeah. one of the things since people learned that they plan to shut the doors on February 29th he said place has been just tremendously busy he said they they've been having trouble keeping stuff in stock they're still getting um, fresh meat and vegetables they're trying to replenish stuff as fast as possible but it's a, a little difficult to to keep up yeah. of course this also reminds me of course the same day that the employees at Ted Clerk's busy market in Waverly found out that the store was closed. The people here in Binghamton on the south side on Conklin Avenue at Wise Markets were being told. You know, so it was that same day, last Thursday, was not a good day for for smaller grocery stores here here in our area. So we'll we'll see what happens. Certainly got a lot of comments and and people riled up on on social media. Yeah, well, (laughs) I mean, look, you... If you go to a grocery store, whether it's that big store in Johnson City or a smaller type store like uh, Ted Clark's in Waverly, you love it. Or even the smaller store, the Wise Market on Conklin Avenue. Sure. People loved it. Yep. And people depended on it. There, You know, one thing that I take for granted 
and many of us take for granted is, you know, we can zip around in our cars or our pickup trucks or our minivans. And so if one store closes, it's not that big a deal to drive uh, a couple miles in the other direction. Right. But for a lot of these stores, even you might recall when the giant markets were sold by the Aiko family to Wise back in... Let's see, what year could it have been? Fifteen years ago. It was 2009. Can you believe it? Hard to believe. But one of the first things that Wise did was shut down the little store, the little giant store near the the high school. Yeah, 56 Main Street. That never opened as a Wise. That's right. And then about, I think it was in 2014, yeah, ten years ago, they shut down the other store on... A Main Street on the west side near the Arch, near right. the Johnson City Line, and the store on Harry L. Drive. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yep. So, Johnson City. I don't know, man. I don't either. All right. All time right. for me to mosey on to the next room. All right. Well, so. if you see anything, this is the motto. You know how the federal government came up with this motto? You know, if you see something, say something. Uh-huh. That's the motto. If you see something, <laughs> send the tip to Bob at WNBF.com. I, I know you do. <laughs> I appreciate it. And as do most Always of our listeners. Lookout. Yeah. There's yeah. Some, what's, you know, stuff's out. I was at a, um, a store this morning. I, I won't name the store. They okay. go, it, their name sounds very much like a TV network. We'll say it's, but it's not like NBC or ABC. It's like some other TV network you may have heard of before with uh, Walter Cronkite. But it's not part of the network. <laughs> okay. Uh, apparently, they're in the business of drugs and candy. Oh, yeah. I have no idea what you're talking remember about. Remember that song, Drugs and Candy? No. Oh, I or, I can't remember. I'm sure it was a good song. So anyway, <laughs> okay. And they're buying buying a weekly newspaper because I. I have to keep up. Right. Well, I know how you love your newspapers. Sure. <laughs> yes, you know. I keep you informed yeah, the, yeah. when I'm camping. Uh, you do. Pennsylvania newspapers. So, yeah, I wound up having a discussion, and the guy at the counter said, because he didn't know me. He didn't, I mean, he knows me as a guy who comes in there to buy a weekly paper, but till today, he had no idea what I did. Uh-huh. And he just, out of the blue, started... Yeah, I don't pay attention to the news. By the time they get around to reporting it, it's like four or five days old. And I said, well, here's here's an opportunity to tell him where he might <laughs> there you find go. some news. And I, I said, well, did you ever look at this? And he said, well, that's interesting because that comes up in my feed quite uh-huh. often. And he didn't realize who's responsible for a lot of the original reporting. And he said, oh. I said, oh. Now, oh. You, now you know. Now you know. <laughs> now you know. Yep, there you go. So right. thank you, Don Morgan. No, no for, problem. Yeah, I wish you... Do you want to be the co-host for the rest of the show? <laughs> it's like you haven't been doing anything for the last four hours. Well, Joe Stanley's calling me in ten minutes, and I don't Is want to he? hold him up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I I heard he's not afraid to go to court if something... <laughs> can you imagine? No, I called Don Morgan. And he really? Really? By, my time is valuable. We had an appointment at 930, uh, and he wasted two minutes of my time, so I calculate that. So the time yeah. was worth this amount, but also for my pain and suffering, exactly. I, I, I asked the court to please award $5 million because I know Don Morgan has deep pockets. That's right. yeah, yeah, exactly. I work in radio. Oh, my gosh. Oh, don't we get paid like uh, actors do, TV sitcom actors oh, sure. and movie actors? Residuals. And, oh, yeah, we get paid you tons know. of money. What's great for me is I've... 
right now I've done literally hundreds of programs, and so that means every quarter I get a residual check, uh -huh. you know, from the union. Twenty-five <gasps> cents. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's like a page of S and H green stamps. You know, what is this? S&H green stamps? I want triple S blue stamps. That's right. Oh, my goodness. All right. Thanks, All right, Don. Have a great day. Yes. See you. WNBF, the station that truly cares about all sorts of esoteric topics. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We're still saving the Southern Tier money at Galt Toyota. Nine twenty-five. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF. Following live segment is sponsored by KSO Insurance Solutions. Good morning, Karen, sweet O'Neill. Good morning, Bob Joseph. I like that tune. Isn't it nice? Yeah, that was my dad's favorite. Is it? Was it? Yes. I didn't yes. know that. Dave Brubeck. Absolutely. Well, long, let's, long, long time ago. Yeah, let's just yep. listen to about 10 more seconds of it because this also is one of my favorites. So let's just uh, sit back and take 10, 10 seconds just to listen to this. What a beautiful, I can do that. Yeah. Dave Brubeck. So talented. You bet. And one of my memories about Dave Brubeck, the only time I saw him perform live was at the Anderson Center in Vestal. It was a beautiful summer night. And we were having a great evening on the lawn outside the Anderson Center. And then what happened... They started playing Take 5, and I was so relaxed, I fell asleep during Take 5 on the lawn. Hmm. That, That's pretty interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I don't know if it was, if I should have been embarrassed, you know, and then I get this nudge, get this nudge, and she says, you know... <laughs> your snoring, your snoring is not exactly enhancing the listening experience. <laughs> and I said, oh, "Oh, all right." And the good thing about take five is I didn't wind up missing that much because I'm sure after about oh five seconds of snoring, I was informed right away that that's that's not helpful. Well, but uh, she was anyways, right. She was accurate. <laughs> anyway, so uh, anyway, thank you for uh, joining us this morning and it's good to speak with you oh thank you absolutely we're going to talk about a little bit of a teaser on what we're going to talk about at length tomorrow so um, you know one of the things that's happened with the Inflation Reduction Act was that there were changes Bob to Medicare and some of those started in 2024 excuse me 2023 
and 2024 again, and then, of course, in 2025 coming up. But a lot of Americans, in fact, I think the majority aren't even aware of some of the changes that are taking place, and they're good changes. So we're going to talk about that, and specifically, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, prescription drug costs when you're on Medicare and how some people actually spent thousands and thousands of dollars. And there's a, a case study of a particular individual, and he was on Medicare. And last year, in 2023, he spent over $17,000 in co-pays with his prescription drugs on Medicare. And this year, he's not going to have to spend any more than 3300 because there's an out-of-pocket cap. So we're going to get into that a little bit more specifically tomorrow. And we are at 1708 Vestal Parkway East. Up above Plato's Closet and Style Encore, you can reach us several ways for an appointment. You can simply give us a call. It's 607-772-4898. You can Google us at KSO Insurance, and all our contact information comes up, including our website. And you can make an appointment through our website that way. Or if you miss the phone number, just go to a phone book. We have a big display ad under insurance in the yellow pages. Karen Sweet O'Neill, I will look forward to speaking with you tomorrow morning right here on WNBF. Very good. Thanks, Bob. Thank you. Have a great day. It's 930 at WNBF Binghamton. And now to the town of Dickinson. Beverly, good morning. You're on the air. Hello? Hi, is this Bob? This is Bob Joseph on the radio station. Hey, are, are you trying to sell John something? Rizzoni. Nope, I'm trying to get a hold of you. The other line is busy. Oh, I, I was looking forward to talking with John Rizzoni about the Tri-Cities that's, Opera and the Fantastics. That's, that's me. Oh, this is great. <laughs> sure you're not you selling anything except... Well, Tickets for okay, the Tri Cities Opera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, would you? Can I put you down for twelve? <laughs> twelve and some widgets, please. <laughs> yes, yes, please. But wait, there's more. If you oh, order yeah. by midnight tonight, I can throw in the Popeil <laughs> gum chewer. Well, I there really you go. <laughs> oh my God! Oh, funny. how are you, Bob? I am well. Thank you for. Uh, for your persistence, we uh, yeah, of you, know, you know we we do what we can here. We have as many phone lines as we can afford, so including there, I can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so tell us about the Tri Cities Opera and the Fantastics coming right up. What do our listeners need to know? Well, we have the Fantastics, which is the longest running musical of all time. Uh, it ran for 42 years just off of Broadway. Uh, and that is coming right up. It's, uh, on this, uh, Friday, February 9th and Saturday, February 10th at 7.30 p.m. and on Sunday at 3 p.m. So we have three great shows coming up. Uh, and it's really a, for lack of a better word, fantastic production. Um, you know, we have our wonderful resident artists involved, uh, Kyrie Leiborn, uh, Felix Aguilar Tomlinson, uh, Janine Dwarren, and James Sierras, who have been with us, uh, since, since this, uh, the summer. Uh, and then we have wonderful local artists, uh, Josh Settlemeyer and Vito Longo, uh, and Jeffrey Matthews, uh, and then a guest artist, Peter Kendall Clark. I mean, these are 
such talented people, and they are working their tails off to make a fabulous show for our audience. So tell us about the twist. This is uh, a bit different. This is uh, somewhat different. It's uh, a reimagining of the classic love story. Correct. So this is a reimagining, but it was actually reimagined by the original writer of the show. So The Fantastics premiered in 1960, ran for 42 years, closed, was revived in 2006. But then in 2022, Tom Jones, who was the original book writer and librettist for the show, rewrote the production uh, to sort of change it uh, to the modern age in some ways uh, with a boy meets boy love story instead of a boy meets girl love story. And the meddling fathers from the original are recast as meddling mothers. So it gives a really uh, relevant and fun spin on this and really celebrates love in all its forms, sort of, and also in all its phases, sort of the newness of love, uh, which I think, you know, in this Valentine's Day season, that is something that is is present on our minds, but also what love looks like, you know, after that moment of newness, once it's sort of the deal has been sealed, what, what are our experiences and what changes and how do we work through that, you know, with the person we love uh, to remain in love and continue onward. So, I mean, really, it's a beautiful story that just celebrates love, romantic love between people. Uh, it's, you know, it's a, a human story. Uh, you know, at Tri-Cities Opera, we're really working to tell the stories of our community in as many ways as possible. And sometimes that takes the form of a big, grand classic opera where we talk about sort of uh, current issues through the context of an older piece. Uh, but with this piece, it's a very current sort of setting uh, and addressing current, you know, the current world and, and who we are as a community uh, and giving light to, to the stories of our community. I mean, that's really our mission. The Fantastics performances Friday and Saturday at 7.30 p.m. and on Sunday at 3 p.m. at the Tri-Cities Opera Center on Clinton Street. Yes. Yes, I do want to just add one thing. At 7, uh, so on Friday night, we're having a diva night, which is welcoming our guests to come uh, looking as fabulous as they like. Uh, and during intermission, we'll have uh, Katrina, a fabulous drag queen from our community, uh, helping us give away some prizes to the best dress, the best looks of the evening uh, in our audience. And it's sort of a way to celebrate the fabulousness of what opera is and can be, but also through sort of the lens of, it is what you want it to be and what you make of it. Uh, and we want you to be welcome. We want you to feel comfortable. Uh, and we want to celebrate who you are uh, and who we are all together. And if people want information on tickets, what can they do? So tricitiesopera.com is a golden ticket. Uh, if you go there, there's uh, lots of links to our website and also a lot more information about the show. Our Facebook page is a great way to connect on content around this production. And then if people want to call the box office, our number is 607-772-0400. Uh, and uh, Jay will be happy to help you with tickets. John Rizzoni, Tri-Cities Opera, thank you very much for joining us this morning. And I wish you the best as you prepare for this weekend. Fantastic. Thanks for having me, and uh, we look forward to this weekend. Have a good one, Bob. Take care. It's 9.35, WNBF Live with Bob Joseph. This is Binghamton Now, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com.
WNBF live on a Tuesday morning with Bob Joseph. Beverly in the town of Dickinson. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. Guess what? What? We got good news. Good news they today. Put a fence up here by the walk bridge. No. <laughs> yep. A nice one, too. Really? Yep. Wonder what prompted that. Well,. They, maybe they heard me on the radio. I don't know. They yeah, maybe maybe they heard you on the radio, and then maybe they saw the story I did because you called that in and told me that they uh, had not placed a fence. They did not place a fence. So I'm thinking between you and WNBF.com, I think that helped prompt the contractor to put up a fence. So what do you think of yeah, that? That's a nice, that's a nice fence, though. Is it as nice as you want, or do you think they should put in a better fence? No, it seems, it looks nice. It looks like where, like that path where you walk on Front Street there. Right. A lot of people use that. So, but but can you still, like, say, if I still want to get over there, could I could I jump over and, and still go up the path if I want to see the highway? Yeah, you can oh, still okay. go. They can still do that. But you can't put any uh, vehicles up there. Right. Oh, no, they shouldn't do that, yeah. in my opinion. But, so. I, but in my opinion, Bob, I, I think there's I think there's still traffic up there. You know, you know, because people can walk up that way. Oh, really? Hmm. You, know, you know, I mean, it's, uh, no matter what they do, they're going to, if there's a fence there, they're going to climb over it. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You could put up a fence, but you can't, unless you have, like, an armed guard. You know what they should do? They should build a bigger fence and have Mexico pay for it. (laughs) Right? Yeah. That would keep people from crossing over from the town of Dickinson over to Otsingo Park. You'd never have people doing that again if they put up, like, a 20-foot fence. And we could send the bill to Mexico. Yeah, you know, uh, I wasn't accusing the children yesterday. I just, feel, I just feel sorry for those children that have to go with their parents. You know, uh, uh, walking through, walking through the fence there. You know, I mean that was sad. You know, but people were throwing their passports away, uh, Bob, and that was sad that they had to do that. Yeah, I wish they wouldn't do stuff like that, you know? Well, well, uh, one lady uh, sold her house in some country, and it cost $14,000 for her and, uh, and her husband to find to Mexico. They left all their clothes and everything. Uh, really? Where they lived and their children and everything. Oh, my goodness. That's terrible. You know, but, but when is this all going to stop? That's what I'm concerned about. Uh, the Republicans said they're going to put a stop to it starting January 20th. Uh, next year? Yeah. So we have to wait another 11 and a half months because the Republicans... Oh, wanna... that's not fair. Well, Bob. they're playing... Uh, sadly, Beverly, they're playing politics with the most urgent issue facing the USA today. Yeah, well, I, I'm I'm a little upset about Biden there. You know, I mean, well, and I rightfully so, everybody is. Can, you know, but you know, I'm worried about his age. You know, we never had a we never had a president of that age. 
What is he, 80? I heard he's 81. That's what 81. I heard. Yeah. Well, he's older than I am, but still, you know, he does the best he can. Well, you know? and that's I, the thing. I, I, I mean, get what... a little irritated with some of the things that he talked about. Oh, you know, but that's, her. don't you get a little irritated by some of the things I talk about? Well. I Be just... honest. Well, yeah, but... Okay, you know, see? I it, know you're right. Well, yeah, but still, it irritates you. Yeah, some, sometimes. Yeah. But not but, but, but 99% of the time, you tell the truth, Bob. Well, I'd say, I, like I'd say I tell yourself. the truth 100% of the time. As far as opinions, you can disagree with my opinions, but still... It, you know, the the opinions are... Every, everyone has an opinion, yes. which is right. And thank goodness for that. Right. Uh, I, I want to take a trip to Oswego. I want to go to Putty Duddies. Oh, I was just there. I was oh, there on Sunday. Oh, expensive. Well, here's the thing. You know, is it more costly than buying one of those uh, well, it's bars? Well, it's, home, it's homemade... I don't mind paying ten dollars a well, pound. Well, it's it's quality. It's fresh. All the stuff in there is quality. See, that's the thing. Oh, yeah. It's not mass produced. Now, I'll tell you what I got. Did you ever hear oh. of an Idaho Spud? Uh, I don't. I, no, no. It's a candy, believe and believe it or not, they make it in Idaho. Oh, do they? Yeah, and here's. I'm just punching this up now to. What's uh, describe it made it. out of? Potatoes. You would think. You would think. It looks, it's in the shape of a potato, or as Al D'Amato would say, potato. It says, and this is from their website, the popular Idaho Spud Bar is a wonderful combination of a light cocoa-flavored soft marshmallow center drenched with a dark chocolate coating then sprinkled with coconut. Sorry, no potato. It was originally marketed as a healthful candy bar since it's made with agar agar. Instead of gelatin, I don't know if it's agar, oh, agar, or man, agar. We're going to take, take a trip up there sometime well, check this it week. Out. Oh, I man. heard, I heard a lot, a lot of people talk about it, and uh, I think there's that. Is that Franklin store still up there in Owego? I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, don't they? Don't they have a little, uh, a little, a five and dime store up there? <sighs> Well, not that I can think of. They have a few other stores that have popped up recently, but I don't remember a five and dime. By the way, the uh, Idaho Spud, they've been making it now for 106 years. Yep. And that's the, the company that makes it. They still are making it in downtown Boise, Idaho. They have a, a little candy factory and they make some other types of candy but the most popular that they make is idaho spud bar and oh. i never had one i i uh stopped by sunday afternoon to see what was going on and um i got myself an idaho spud bar and that's why i sounded so good on the program yesterday it gave oh, me that uh, I, extra you, enthusiasm uh you, you buy that separately yes how much is it? About five dollars? It wasn't five dollars. I I don't recall because I didn't look at the receipt. Because I also bought one other candy bar called Vallow Milk. Did you ever hear of that Vallow Milk? 
No. It's sort of like, see, I think you would like it. It's sort of like a mallow cup, except the filling, oh. the filling oozes. So what they say is when you bite into a mallow cup, it's got this great, delicious chocolate. And no, you bite boy, into it. You make me hungry. Yeah, and then you bite into it, and the whole point of the filling inside, the marshmallow-type filling, is it actually runs down your chin. Oh, boy. Yeah, so be prepared. <laughs> but check it out, okay? All right. All right. Thank you. And that's the story from the town of Dickinson. The fence, the fence, the controversial fence has been installed. And I, for one, hope the DOT sends Canada a bill. Make Trudeau pay for our fence. The town of Dickinson. That's what I say. Kiddingly, of course. Bob Joseph live Tuesday morning, WNBF. WNBF Live at 9.50. This is Bob Joseph. Joan in Binghamton. Good morning. You're on the air. Oh, good morning. Good morning. Well, we're talking about closing the border. And apparently the um, Immigration and Naturalization Act or bill, which was passed uh, several years ago, allows the president to close the border for an individual or a group Everybody, uh, close them for legal immigrants, illegal immigrants. It's Section 2112F. And Biden can do it right now. No problem. By law, not by decree or by being a, uh, a dictator or anything else. He can close the border right now. It's written in the act. Uh, look it up, that section, and it'll blow your mind. That, uh, you know, he's been sitting on this for, what, four years, three years, three and a half, four years, watching us drown, watching us spend money. I guess they're kicking him out of hotels now in uh, New York City because uh, there's no money to pay the uh, room charges. So they're going to be on the streets, you know, talk about built, uh, beating up policemen, et cetera. Hey. You know, and they're talking about now these groups because the largest number of people who are coming in are young men who are maybe 20 to 35, which is good military age and good gang age. And apparently they're forming their own gangs because they don't have anything else to do. And, uh, you know, a lot of the theft and a lot of the home invasions. I heard about one this morning in, in Pittsburgh, I think it was, you know, five people broke in and whatever, you know, that uh, they're going to start forming their own gangs now and they're young guys and, hey, they don't have anything else to do. So guess what? Crime is going to increase. All kinds of crime is going to increase. Including shoplifting? Well, yeah, down here at the Conklin Avenue, uh, Weiss, I guess there was kid gangs coming in, and and uh, one of my friends happened to be there at the time, uh, one of these raids, 
or whatever you want so to how call ma- it. How did they do it? What do they do? Just have a a bunch of young people come in? I don't what, know. I didn't get details. What did it I sound wanted like? to get back back to them and talk to them about it. I got it uh, secondhand from somebody else that I know that. Uh, somebody said, "Why didn't they hire a security guard?" Because well, they so have over, one over on Robinson Street. No, that's what I mean. Why didn't policemen. Why didn't they do the same thing over on Conklin Avenue if it was such a big deal? Well, I don't know if it was a big deal. Well, it's a big deal because they do it on Robinson Street. It's a big yeah. deal because, look, even that big store in Johnson City, they may not have actually uh, a cop. Actually, for a while, they did have a cop. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I was there at the big store. The the it's it's huge, Danny's store, and they had a cop. So why wouldn't the Wise on Conklin Avenue hire a cop if if they were concerned about stuff going out the front door? That's what stores do now. Well, the margin may have been just so small that they said if you add that cop cost to it, you know we're gonna we're gonna close anyway. So why bother? That's what it sounds like. It sounds like, why bother? It sounds like they had decided, we don't like that store, so oh, we're going to close it, so why bother? And So what about the people there on the southeast side of Binghamton who now live in a food desert? I, You know, you're exaggerating a little bit, like saying, we don't like that store. That makes it sound like it's just a, an arbitrary type thing. I didn't that say it was arbitrary. It. I, I well, said that's what it sounds that like. They have a whole bunch of other stores in the southern tier, and they said they're, they're going to remain committed to them. So what made Conklin Avenue so special? Why didn't they pull the plug on some other store that they didn't like? Probably the margins were very small. Let's face it, business is business. Well, then why don't they tell us? They didn't even tell us why. Well, that's their business. No, I know it's their business, and they they have every right to keep it secret. But, geez, after all these decades of having a store there, you would think that the support of the neighborhood after more than half a century would count for something. Well, you would think that... You would uh, hope. If Binghamton wanted them to stay there, they may have made... You know, they poured how much money into all kinds of uh, enterprises around here that, you know, got talked up by uh, media, et cetera. And then, Wait, uh, hey, I had nothing to do with it. Anyway, we're, we've got the news coming up. Thanks for your call. Thank you. <laughs> now, the news is coming up, sadly. Then more calls right here on WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media station. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Sunny today, high near 41. Mostly clear tonight, low around 23. Wednesday will be sunny with a high near 44. Binghamton City Council may consider a call for a referendum on a proposal to transfer law enforcement duties to the New York State Police and the Broome County Sheriff's Office. John Solak, a West Side resident last month, submitted a request for legislation that would schedule a city referendum in November on a plan to dissolve the Binghamton Police Department. So like told WNBF News, he's calling for the city agency to be dissolved as of January 1st with policy responsibilities within Binghamton to be turned over to the state and county departments. The proposal was placed on the agenda for city council's Monday evening work session.
Selects at Binghamton residents are paying county taxes to fund the sheriff's office, while that agency provides no law enforcement patrols within the city. He said dissolving the police department would reduce the city's potential liabilities to zero for complaints alleging wrongdoing by law enforcement personnel. Any statement issued on Monday, Tompkins County Legislature Mike Sigler, a Republican, who is running for the 52nd District State Senate seat, criticized the proposal. He said, quote, this kind of extreme defund the police sentiment is completely and utterly absurd. A corrections investigation led to a felony contraband charge after a shank was uncovered at the Broome County Sheriff's Correctional Facility. Investigators from the Corrections Investigation Unit of the Broome County Sheriff's Office received information on a shank, a homemade dangerous instrument located in one of the housing units at the Broome County Correctional Facility. On Friday, February 2nd, Corrections investigator and Zone Rover Corrections officers initiated a search of several cells within the housing unit. One of the cells searched was that of Alexander Lavelle, who was currently incarcerated on a felony burglary charge. Investigators were able to successfully locate and secure a solid, sharpened piece of plastic from under the mattress in Lavelle's cell. The sharpened plastic was taken from the arm of a pair of eyeglasses. Lavelle was charged with promoting prison contraband in the first degree, a Class D felony. Binghamton police say a man whose body was found in a burning house has been positively identified. Firefighters discovered the body about 35 minutes after they forced their way into the boarded-up building at 2 Pleasant Street on the north side on the morning of January 15th. Detective Captain Corey Minor said the man was Nathaniel Jenkins. Minor said his death was due to carbon monoxide poisoning. He did not provide a specific cause of the blaze, but said it's been ruled accidental. Authorities said people were known to have been staying in what was supposed to be a secure, vacant building. One other man who had been in the house at the time of the fire was evaluated for smoke inhalation. He was not taken to the hospital. A family-operated grocery store in the Southern Tier that's been in operation for nearly a century is soon going out of business. Ted Clark's busy market in Tioga County, Waverly, has announced its plans to close its doors at the end of the month. The store on Broad Street has served the community for more than 92 years. Tim Clark owns the market with Kathy Clark Morehouse, his sister, and Andy Forrest, the store manager. Clark said the 45 full and part-time employees of the business were advised of the impending closing last Thursday. Clark told WNBF News the business has been struggling to deal with rising overall costs in recent years, including pizza payroll, utilities, it's everything. He said not political, despite the comments some people are making. February 29th is expected to be the last day of operation for the store. Cannabis retailers in Connecticut are experiencing a shortage of marijuana. Well, in New York State, growers recently dealt with an excess. Connecticut legalized recreational marijuana use a year ago. There were then seven dispensaries and four producers in the state. Now there are 26 open dispensaries, but just one micro-grower has been added to the supply line. Meanwhile, lawsuits and bureaucratic issues left the first wave of pot farmers in New York unable to sell much of their fall 2022 harvests because there were too few stores to sell what they grew.
Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro is set to deliver his second budget proposal to lawmakers. The Democrat has released few details of his spending plan for the 2024-25 fiscal year. He's expected to return today with bigger proposals for higher education institutions, underfunded public schools, and economic development. The governor is looking at a relatively strong fiscal position. He will almost certainly propose an operating budget that goes above this year's $45 billion. Shapiro will deliver his budget address to a joint session of the House and Senate. The Republican-controlled Senate and Democratic-controlled House will begin budget hearings in two weeks. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. Well, there you go. This is Bob Joseph, live WNBF Tuesday. And the phone lines are open now, 607-772-1290. Go ahead, call. Directly to the phone lines. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Uh, Tom from Enwell. Good morning, Tom. What's on your mind? Um. So I was uh, I was just wondering if you heard about the illegals that have uh, like a little motorcycle gang that tied a girl up and dragged her through the streets of New York. Like this is the only be- this is the only the beginning, Bob. And let me tell you, a lot of natives in New York City, we'll just talk about New York City because we'll just say in New York, a lot of the natives, the blacks, the Hispanics, and pretty much all the natives of New York City are beyond fed up. They're fed up with the illegals going up to them and say, you get no more money. How the governor puts this huge uh, thing up for all these illegals to get cards, the United Nations which uh, we fund the vast majority of all that money, so we're paying for that. We're also paying billions and billions of dollars to take care of all these illegals. And the funny thing is we're also paying billions of dollars for other countries' borders. You know, I find that, I find that like, really tough that people don't see this. You know, you had a guy on yesterday that was bashing Trump. Does he not see the tensions across the globe? Well, I'll tell you the problem. Here's here's the problem is uh, Trump, as you call him, Trump is blocking the best immigration bill in America in decades. He's blocking it for his own personal, political and financial gain. Bob, there is nothing in that bill to stop the illegals from crossing the border. The bill just came out yesterday. Well, let's put it this way. They should pass it. And we'll see if it does anything positive. The proof of the pudding, as Bill Crosby would say, the proof of the pudding will be when the thing is passed and then as of November, either something good happened or something bad happened. And then the American people will know. By 
standing in the way of possible progress, Trump, as you call him, is hurting America as he looks forward to getting four years of free public housing. So that's what it comes down to. He should say, you know what? My personal opinion is this isn't going to do a darn thing to help the problem that we're facing at the southern border. But you know what? Because a lot of people think I'm just trying to block this so I can get reelected and get another four years as dictator that I'll say, hey, Republicans, go ahead and vote for it. And we'll see for ourselves that it actually didn't work out. Then if it truly doesn't work out, if things are the same or worse, then he's going to win probably by 20 million votes. So that way he can say. In the final weeks of the campaign, see, I told you so. Bob, the people that wrote it came out and specifically stated there is absolutely nothing in there to stop the flow. By the way, did you hear anything I said? I spent a minute basically pointing out that if it's really that bad, this will be the most wonderful ammunition that Trump, as you call him, can use against Biden, as some people call him. So go ahead, have the Republicans say, hey, call they, they, uh, Trump, as you call him, should say, let's go ahead and see it, pass it, because I maintain that nothing good is going to happen. And if nothing good happens, the guy is going to be president again by virtual acclaim. Even the naysayers, even the nattering nabobs of the media will say, you know, Mr. Trump, as I call him, you had a point. You were right. Mr. Biden was wrong. Question. Let me ask you one question. You there? Yeah, ask. So how is it that every bill that the Republicans write, the Democrats want to go through it with a fine-tooth comb? Every bill that the democrats write they want to pass it before you could see it how does that remotely even make sense bob it tell me it doesn't make sense you tell me why mr trump won't allow his fellow republicans to call biden's bluff and pass this bill that you maintain won't do anything positive to address the most pressing issue facing this country right now. As I say, if it if it's true, as some people maintain, that it's not going to help matters, then that's going to be the cornerstone of Donald Trump's second successful campaign for the White House. Again, he could run commercials in the final 10 days before the election in November say, I'm Donald Trump. I told you so. That's all he would have to say. Five second spots, just run them before the news. Every news break on every station in the country, I'm Donald Trump. I told you so. If that's true about this bill, if it's so bad, have the Republicans go along, approve it, and then we'll see how bad it really is. Bob, why spend billions more of taxpayers' money for something that doesn't even stay in the bill? We'll see if it works. You apparently didn't hear what I said. 
I'm going to say it one more time and then we're going to move on because I think this would be political genius at work. If he is a political genius, he should say, you know what, President Joe Biden, and you are our president. President Joe Biden, I think this is just a scheme and it's not going to work. And even though I initially, for my own selfish political and financial gain, encourage my fellow Republicans to block it, I now am giving them the green light to pass it so we can prove to the American people once and for all what my point is. You want me to answer that? No. 1017 WNBF, good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? My name is Frank, and I'm calling from Binghamton. Good morning. Welcome. So what's on your mind? I'd like to talk about them dissolving the police force in Binghamton. That's crazy. Well, they're not going to do it, so... I hope not. Well, you don't have anything to worry about. Binghamton Police, BPD, will be here for decades to come. I hope so. But what the hell's wrong with that councilman? What do you mean? What councilman? That did this, recommended it. No council member recommended it. I didn't hear a single council member show any support for it. I thought that was what they said on the news this morning. It was uh, proposed by our favorite caller, John from Binghamton. John Solak did as any city resident is entitled to do. He submitted a request for legislation. You live in Binghamton. You could submit a request for legislation. That's what he did. It wasn't wasn't a member of council. It was John from Binghamton who proposed it, and that's what came up on the agenda at the work session on Monday night. Well, that's a crazy idea. Well, he's entitled to his ideas. He's been on the program talking about the reason why he proposed it. So you don't have to agree with it. And at this point, it appears nobody on city council supports it, so you don't have to worry. Binghamton Police Department, I say, I say the Binghamton Police Department just received the biggest boost they've received over the last 20 years. Because this came up, it came up at the work session, it's basically they ran it up the flagpole and nobody saluted. So it looks to me like it's a tremendous vote of confidence for the Binghamton Police Department. So, you know, you don't have anything to worry about. Binghamton Police have nothing to worry about because they've received a vote of confidence. Essentially, there was no vote, but there was nobody on city council at the work session who spoke out supporting it. So I would say that the Democrats on Binghamton City Council proved that they support the police. Well, I support the police, too. Thank you. I, I do, too. Thank you. Uh, I support the police. You know. I'm one of the biggest supporters of the police. And But having said that, John from Binghamton, as a city resident, had every right to submit a request for legislation. Anybody who lives in the city of Binghamton can submit a request for legislation. Run it up the flagpole. See if they discuss it at a work session. You never know. You just never know. But as I said, based on what happened at the work session, I'd say the Binghamton police will be around for at least another hundred years. I have no doubt. 
IWNBF, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Uh, this is John from Binghamton. Well, hold that thought. Hold that thought. <laughs> I've been waiting. I've been waiting, Johnny, for for you to call in. I think you intentionally waited and didn't call in the first hour because you suspected that everybody was going to tune in in the first 90 seconds of the program, anticipating that you would lead things off. And I appreciate that. from a From a programming standpoint, this is perfect. Some cynics would say, I actually requested that you wait until 10:20 to call in, but you and I both know that we 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 would not we would not stoop to that level. Well, Bob, I I don't call every day. It just seems like it. <laughs> so hold that thought. And this is not, by the way, John. This is not intended to be what we in broadcasting call a tease to try to keep people listening longer because. Okay, maybe it is. Coming up next, you'll hear live John Solak with his reaction exclusively on News Radio WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph on Binghamton Now. Don't touch that dial. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We sell the ultimate driving machine at Galt BMW. WNBF Live. Your quiet island. Turn it up and rip off the knob. Oh, I'm sorry. Where am I? Uh, <laughs> it's Binghamton now. I thought I was working at another fine station down the hallway. John Solak from Binghamton. The man on the um, the man of the hour on the station of the year. Good morning. Hi, Bob. You know, <clears throat> yesterday, and in, in, uh, Fred Atchar called me ridiculous. You know, he always does that. He always personalizes it. But let me ask you something, Bob. If I'm a crank, if I don't know what I'm talking about, uh, if nobody listens to me, uh, why are these uh, leaders, political law enforcement leaders? In a sheer panic today, so much so that Cram has to have a 10 o'clock news conference. Well, it's an interesting question. And by the way, even before the city council work session was held, at which they had placed your request for legislation on the agenda, we received at least two news releases from Republicans who are using this issue to, to attack other Democrats 
here in the southern tier. I found it fascinating because I had nothing to do, in my opinion, with the people they were attacking. If I, I thought if it's one thing, if they wanted, if they really disagreed with this request for legislation to say, well, we don't like this proposal and state the reasons why, but A, to attack you, which got to say, that's kind of low-hanging fruit. You know, it's anybody can, and, and you've experienced. It's not like there's necessarily a John from Binghamton uh, fan club at City Hall or the county office building or at the sheriff's office or in the town of Vestal. But, you know, that's to be expected that they they don't like a proposal that came from John from Binghamton, but then to use your proposal, a simple handwritten request for legislation, <laughs> I got to say, when I looked at that, John, I'm thinking, wait, I thought this is because this could potentially be so monumentous or momentous or whatever, important and historic, you would think that the whole thing would have been you know, a slick presentation and you would have come forward with a PowerPoint presentation and the the request for legislation would have, you know, had fancy language and 38 pages of supporting documentation. And all it was, it was a, a one, it's a handwritten thing, a simple request for legislation for a, a referendum of Binghamton residents. And that managed to generate and incredible. This is this is the the biggest controversy, John, to hit the city of Binghamton in decades. Well, okay, there I know, exaggerate. I'm I'm for uh, the lowest cost, effective law enforcement. You know, you when you have a job, you get a couple of estimates, right? And that's how you judge, uh, and you get the references, and that's how you judge the service. Now. Uh, I want to give Binghamton residents the same police protection that, uh, at the same cost that Fred Akshar gets in Endwell and that Paul Battisti gets in Kirkwood. Bob, 80,000 residents, this is a county of 200,000, 80,000, 90,000 residents of Broome County get their police services from the New York State Police and or the Sheriff's Department. 80,000 people are protected by these two police agencies. Binghamton is what, 45,000 people? And it needs this huge, ineffective police department. Because uh, this morning I did a, an interview, and there, was, there were nine police cars uh, out in front of the police station. Nine. 9.30 in the morning. Uh, not out, riding around, looking for things, helping people. Uh, maybe issuing traffic tickets. They're, they're, they're at the station. Is it a cappuccino break or what? Uh, you know, uh, look, you've got a police chief that's had maybe a 60% raise in the last few years. What's happened? Crime has went up. And you know why? They want to use the city of Binghamton. I'm talking about Batisti and Akshar and the Republican Party. They want to use this clam-bake lobbying group to scare people and to exploit the crime in Binghamton and not do a damn thing about it except get more grants for overtime so they can juice their pensions. It's time that this imbecilic uh, uh, nonsense end, and we really talk about not exploiting Binghamton and the residents, not overcharging 
the residents of Binghamton for other people's police services, but to get on the ball, communicate with the people. When's the when's the last? You know, it's interesting. Uh, Joe Zakuski never has a uh, a news conference. You know, uh, we've got this intelligence. Uh, service that nobody knows what they're doing. They're collecting license plates. Nobody knows what this thing is about. Uh, you know, uh, as a and this began with a case in my mind. This began in, with a case called Foster Daniels versus the City of Binghamton, and that, if you may remember, uh, there were some uh, intoxicated police not on duty uh, at the ancient Order of Hiberians, and there was a big. Uh, Brawl, and uh, you know one conservative, one conservative Republican. This guy was so conservative he thought the waltz was far out. But he told me, he said, "You see what's going on there?" And I said, "Yeah." Now I expected him to go into a defense of the police. He says, "You know," he says, "Every once in a while, you've got to rope the police in. They get carried away, and this is." what management this is what supervisors are for but when you have a police chief that got suspended <laughs> you know it's kind of hard for the other guys to fall in line and, and look up to him. when this guy is now mentoring future police officers uh and he got suspended himself i mean give me a break so give i'm looking about that case that you bring up from and actually i'd forgotten 1999 uh, the headline in the newspaper says, Officers, we followed rules in that case, although two admitted to drinking before incident. Two Binghamton police officers accused of violating a black man's civil rights by using excessive force during a fight testified they complied with state law and departmental regulations governing off-duty behavior and their professional responsibilities. So, anyway, I had forgotten all about it. And it's it's not, I mean, it's it's certainly... Interesting from a historical standpoint. By the way, at the um, at the work session, I uh, I had expected potentially um, a Chief Joseph Sikuski to be there, but he wasn't. I actually had expected, believe it or not, Mayor Jared Cram to be there. I I thought because of clearly um, just based on the the flurry of news releases that came out Monday, I figured. Both the mayor and uh, the police chief would be there, not with any long statement, but just even to say, as city council uh, got to this request for legislation last evening, that they just say, just so you know, our position is we are opposed to this proposal for a, a referendum. They, it wouldn't even have to be longer than 30 seconds, or they could... You know, expound on why they personally thought it was a bad idea. I I expected, and I, I actually here's another thing. Believe it or not, I expected possibly even Sheriff Fred Akshar to show up at the work session. I expected uh, possibly the Broome County District Attorney Paul Batiste to show up. I expected what? I expected many people who might have an opinion either for or against it. Hey, even. Believe it or not, I expected the president of the union to show up. Well, there was a Batisti 2027 fundraiser last night downtown. That's that's why ah. uh, 
they they didn't come. I mean, it's it's, it's he's been in office for three months and he's already raising money for twenty twenty seven. Wow! But uh, so is one thing I noticed about it's not unique to uh, to the district attorney. I think Leah Webb had been officially in office as a state senator for uh, a few minutes before I received the first pitch to desperate. I mean, seemingly desperate. We we need money now, and I'm thinking, wait, you just started. You've yeah. you've got a two year term, and and I'm thinking, and and so it's not unique to Republicans or Democrats or just Broome yeah. County. The first thing anybody does around here, if they ever get elected to any office, virtually any office, is start raising money for the next election so they can fend off any person who has the audacity to challenge an incumbent basically as you know the whole point whether you're a state senator or any other office holder the whole point is to discourage people from ever considering challenging you because you already you've got the power of incumbency because you can call a news conference in this town all you have to do if you want attention and you're an office holder say i'm going to have a photo op at 10 a.m and there you go. Well, no matter what uh, it's about, Bob. As far as last evening goes, and even before last evening, in the middle of the afternoon, this was a sandbag on the part of uh, Binghamton City Council. Uh, there was various stories in the media around three o'clock, and Nate Hotchkiss, who is the chairman of this committee, it's a three-person committee, uh, began issuing these. Uh, uh, wild statement since i didn't make the proposal yet he said that it, it uh he, he he they weren't going to vote on it and then he went to great lengths you know it's a referendum proposed by a citizen i mean council has nothing to do with it except if they want to give the voters a choice or block it uh but uh he uh, said it wasn't wasn't there was no votes for it wasn't going to be approved they weren't going to take a vote uh, uh, they didn't really, you know, they're not associated with it. And then in a really crazy thing, before I got up to speak, the president of city council, Hadassah, uh, gave a three minute disclaimer, uh, before I, I, uh, this is unheard of. Uh, you know, obviously it's a resolution proposed by a citizen. She went on for three minutes saying she talked to Joe Zakowski in the afternoon. But here's so, the thing. Sorry to interrupt. But my my thought about that was because they saw the flurry of news releases that came out Monday and they saw exactly what was what was the, the foundation, the groundwork of uh what was uh, and and probably still will be a key part of Republican strategy between now and November. So I think I think had it not been for those news releases and the uh, initial outspoken comments, whether to media outlets or in online statements, if it wasn't for that, probably there wouldn't have been that disclaimer. That's my. That's my suspicion that the Democrats on city council are thinking like, oh, my gosh, we've been in office now for barely a month. And already the Republicans are seizing on what could be a successful hot button issue, even though we had nothing to do with it. So I think I think that was probably motivated mainly by 
by trying to neutralize this as an issue. Because let me ask you this, John, because I don't want to assume. I think I know the answer, but let me ask you live on the air. And again, this is unrehearsed. Did you consult with any Democrats? Did you consult with any Democratic members of city council? Did you consult with the chair of the Binghamton or Broome County Democrats? Or did you consult with Leah Webb and Donna Lopardo before you submitted your request for legislation? No, I, I, I don't even talk to those people. I mean, if I see them around, I say hi, I ask them a question. No. All right. I just wanted to get that on the record because yeah. as as the news releases would suggest from some some people in the Republican Party, somehow that others that you well, never have had any sort of rumored alliance with, that somehow that they're responsible for something you submitted that you wrote with probably a big pen and then and then turn it into the city clerk's office. I can't imagine well, that assembly member Lepardo or Senator Webb had anything to do with what you proposed to put before the the voters of Binghamton. Well, here's the question, Bob, and you know a lot about Binghamton. Is there a few hundred people that would sign a petition on this and put it on the ballot? And I mean, you know, it's, it would take work, but I'm just saying, do you think that there's a 400 or 500 signatures that could be gathered to put this on the ballot without counsel. Possibly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, by the I, way, I, one other question, because some cynics might say, well, of course, Bob, you asked about Senator Webb and Assemblymember Lepardo and the chairs of uh, local Democrat organizations, but the, the one thing you didn't ask about was uh, Matt Ryan involved in this? No. Okay, no. just I had to get it on the record. I had no reason to believe, but, but you you know you know the way some people think around here. Well, Bob, I'll leave you with this. You know, Edwin Arthur Hall, the the last congressman uh from Binghamton, uh and a member of city council, he said this. He said this is after being in Congress, he said this. He said Binghamton City Council is where the action is. And I think that's true. They allow for public comment. Uh, they are not inert like county legislators. They get phone calls. They get emails. And it's time to show uh, leadership here. It's the county seat. It's not something that uh, a play toy for Fred Akshar and Paul Battisti to exploit. 80,000 people, Bob, get these services from the New York State Police and the Sheriff's Department. Uh, why is Binghamton, why are Binghamton taxpayers not getting any adjustment for maintaining their own police department? Is the incentive, Bob, with all these grants, is the incentive really to reduce crime or to have it fester and get worse? I mean, these are legitimate questions, but look, the, 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 problem with city council last night was this. Nate Hotchkiss indicated that he was prejudiced before he heard the proposal. So that became the issue. The issue became 
not me giving the proposal, the fact that they are using this request for legislation uh, sort of as an uh, uh, experiment in civic engagement. This is ridiculous. That was a real proposal. It's a proposal that's worked in Camden, New Jersey, 42% crime. It worked in deposit where you went from seven officers to one sheriff deputy, Fort Edward. Uh, this is not this is not radical. You're not talking about defunding anything. In fact, in fact, for most of the people on the Binghamton Police Department, this would be not only a climb up uh, the career ladder, but a better paying job. I mean, to think that, you know, we've got the youngest mayor and new blood and new energy, that we've got to be hooked up. The average police chief in America last between three and five years. They come in, they turn it around, and they, they go away. This guy's been been here uh, for, uh, this is what, his third decade, fourth decade? I don't know how long he's been chief, but uh, uh, he's not doing the job because crime is up. And uh, I, one more thing, and it's not only the external litigation, you know, the police brutality claims and all that stuff, false arrest. But how about the internal claims now that are that have been uh, going on for the last few years by BPD officers, BPD officers suing the department? How about those apples? Stay tuned. John, thank you. That's John Solak, who uh, submitted a request for legislation to put a referendum on the ballot for Binghamton voters in November regarding the future of the Binghamton Police Department. 607-772-1290. We're live on a Tuesday morning. This is Bob Joseph. You're listening to Binghamton Now. WNBF. Vic, joining us from Herkimer. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. How are you today? I'm sure you're fine. I'm great. Never better. Uh, Everything is swell here at the radio outlet. Listen, you know, I really love your format, but it it gives people a chance to vent, and I'm going to vent again today. Uh, I want to talk about fracking. Now, this new idea of fracking with uh, CO2, which, by the way, is uh, made of uh, uh, CO2 is uh, one part uh, carbon and two parts water, and it's completely soluble in a water well, and it poses no harm. As a matter of fact, we can't live without CO2 in our bodies. But um, finally, in the dark, uh, Senator Leo Webb and Donald Pardo and five other legislators are Introducing a bill in Albany to stop CO2 fracking, which is not using any chemicals, unlike the thousand wells that were approved in New York State that use the exact same chemicals as fracking in Pennsylvania. So what does that mean for New York, upstate New York, if this bill passes? What's it mean for downstate? What's it mean for the entire state? Billions in dollars in loss taxes, first of all. Personal wealth for many, you know, they say that they argue that people shouldn't have personal wealth because of fracking, uh, that, that it's not fair that only the landowners uh, uh, 
get that ability to uh, share money from the gas company on, uh, I don't forget what you call it, per diems or whatever. But uh, uh, my point is, Bob, these two people in, in our area should be representing the people and not people like uh, uh, that movie actor that was involved with uh, stopping the fracking here, uh, who has no education in geology, no education in science, but has uh, emotional connections with people like Craig Stevens, who was paid thousands of dollars by him to carry around a brown jug of water claiming it was fracking fluid from Pennsylvania. All right. So bottom line is what what should be done? If, if you were in charge of New York State, say if you were New York's energy czar, what would you do? Frack. I would use carbon. I would use the old method because even the old method proved has never, ever polluted a water aquifer. So when would the fracking begin? Uh, the day after I became governor. Would there be any restrictions? Oh, of course. Well, we'd have safety restrictions. We wouldn't allow wildcats uh, without them being able to prove that uh, they're not going to dump frack fluid in the woods or, or things like that. We'd have restrictions. We'd have water setback restrictions from lakes and rivers. So you would have reasonable environmental and safety restrictions, but you still would encourage and, and support fracking in New York State if, if you had the power. Oh, Bob, definitely, definitely. Look, look what's going on in New York State with with our taxes going up, up and up. And now we're supporting the uh, taxes on the uh, uh, what, what she do six point five billion dollars, I believe, in the budget this year for illegal immigrants, or maybe it was seven point five. I can't remember. Well, the only thing we know, whatever the number is, it's going to go up. We talked about this, Bob. I know. Well, the other thing is, not only will New York need more money to support the the number of immigrants, both in the city and perhaps elsewhere in the state, we're going to need more money to help support the new stadium project in Buffalo. Uh, the Pagoulas can't afford it. Oh, no, but Kathy Hochul and the New York taxpayers can. Uh, that's, not, that's my bottom line. Interestingly, the Pagoulas made so much of their money from energy, and yet They've got billions of dollars, and, and why won't they? Why won't they spend their own money to build their stadium? Well, the man was smart enough to go out and buy all the land rights he could get in Pennsylvania. I know he's smart. I admire his his business acumen. He's, he's certainly one of the smartest business people I know um, who's convinced New York State and Erie County to pay for a good part of his new stadium. I just don't get it. Vic, I don't get it. I don't get how a guy could make so much money. He worked for, it says he worked for Getty Oil. He founded his own natural gas drilling company. He's worth billions and billions, billions and billions. And yet it says his net worth is over $7 billion. So even if he and his wife built a $3 billion stadium for their football team, with no taxpayer involvement, they'd still have four, at least $4 billion left over. I don't get it. They want more, Bob. They, I, they always want more. I don't get it. Thank you, Vic. I just don't get it. Why should I have to pay one penny for the new stadium in Buffalo when, according to the Internet, Ted Pagula, excuse me, Terry, 
Terrence Michael Pagula is worth over $7 billion. Come on, man. If you like the Bills, build them a $3 billion stadium. You'll still have more than $4 billion left over. It's 1053, a voice of reason on the radio. Bob Joseph on WNBF. Coming up this afternoon on WNBF, two of America's most popular radio hosts, Dan Bongino from noon to three and Sean Hannity from three to six. You'll hear them later today on News Radio WNBF. Bulletin. I like the way that sounded. <laughs> bulletin gives urgency. Trump has no immunity from January 6th prosecution, according to an appeals court ruling. It just came in, a federal appeals court ruling unanimously that Donald Trump can be put on trial for trying to stay in power after losing the 2020 election, rejecting Trump's sweeping claim of presidential immunity and moving the case one step closer to a jury. So that's according to the Washington Post website. We will be talking more about that next hour. I'm Bob Joseph, live on WNBF. This is this is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media station. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Sunny today, high near 41. Mostly clear tonight, low around 23. Wednesday will be sunny with a high near 44. Binghamton City Council may consider a call for a referendum on a proposal to transfer law enforcement duties to the New York State Police and the Broome County Sheriff's Office. John Solak, a West Side resident last month, submitted a request for legislation that would schedule a city referendum in November on a plan to dissolve the Binghamton Police Department. Solak told WNBF News he's calling for the city agency to be dissolved as of January 1st, with policy responsibilities within Binghamton to be turned over to the state and county departments. The proposal was placed on the agenda for city council's Monday evening work session. Solak said Binghamton residents are paying county taxes to fund the sheriff's office, while that agency provides no law enforcement patrols within the city. He said dissolving the police department would reduce the city's potential liabilities to zero for complaints alleging wrongdoing by law enforcement personnel. Any statement issued on Monday, Tompkins County Legislature Mike Sigler, a Republican, was running for the 52nd District State Senate seat, criticized the proposal. He said, quote, this kind of extreme defund the police sentiment is completely and utterly absurd. A corrections investigation led to a felony contraband charge after a shank was uncovered at the Broome County Sheriff's Correctional Facility. Investigators from the Corrections Investigation Unit of the Broome County Sheriff's Office received information on a shank, a homemade dangerous instrument located in one of the housing units at the Broome County Correctional Facility. 
on Friday, February 2nd. Corrections investigator and zone rover corrections officers initiated a search of several cells within the housing unit. One of the cells searched was that of Alexander Lavelle, who was currently incarcerated on a felony burglary charge. Investigators were able to successfully locate and secure a solid, sharpened piece of plastic from under the mattress in Lavelle's cell. The sharpened plastic was taken from the arm of a pair of eyeglasses. Lavelle was charged with promoting prison contraband in the first degree, a Class D felony. Binghamton police say a man whose body was found in a burning house has been positively identified. Firefighters discovered the body about 35 minutes after they forced their way into the boarded-up building at 2 Pleasant Street on the north side on the morning of January 15th. Detective Captain Corey Miner said the man was Nathaniel Jenkins. Miner said his death was due to carbon monoxide poisoning. He did not provide a specific cause of the blaze, but said it's been ruled accidental. Authorities said people were known to have been staying in what was supposed to be a secure, vacant building. One other man who had been in the house at the time of the fire was evaluated for smoke inhalation. He was not taken to the hospital. A family-operated grocery store in the Southern Tier that's been in operation for nearly a century is soon going out of business. Ted Clark's busy market in Tioga County in Waverly has announced its plans to close its doors at the end of the month. The store on Broad Street has served the community for more than 92 years. Tim Clark owns the market with Kathy Clark Morehouse, his sister, and Andy Forrest, the store manager. Clark said the 45 full and part-time employees of the business were advised of the impending closing last Thursday. Clark told WNBF News the business has been struggling to deal with rising overall costs in recent years, including piece of payroll, utilities, it's everything. He said not political, despite the comments some people are making. February 29th is expected to be the last day of operation for the store. Cannabis retailers in Connecticut are experiencing a shortage of marijuana. Well, in New York State, growers recently dealt with an excess. Connecticut legalized recreational marijuana use a year ago. There were then seven dispensaries and four producers in the state. Now there are 26 open dispensaries, but just one micro-grower has been added to the supply line. Meanwhile, lawsuits and bureaucratic issues left the first wave of pot farmers in New York unable to sell much of their fall 2022 harvests because there were too few stores to sell what they grew. Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro is set to deliver his second budget proposal to lawmakers. The Democrat has released few details of his spending plan for the 2024-25 fiscal year. He's expected to return today with bigger proposals for higher education institutions, underfunded public schools, and economic development. The governor is looking at a relatively strong fiscal position. He will almost certainly propose an operating budget that goes above this year's $45 billion. Shapiro will deliver his budget address to a joint session of the House and Senate the Republican-controlled Senate and Democratic-controlled House will begin budget hearings in two weeks. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. 
This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. Bob Joseph, Binghamton Now continues on a Tuesday morning. Our number is 607-772-1290. Give me a call and talk on WNBF. I bet you never heard old Marshall Dillon say, Miss Kitty, have you ever thought of running away? Settling down, would you marry me? If I ask you twice and beg you pretty please. He'd have said yes in a New York minute. They never tied a knot. God wasn't in it. He just stole a kiss as he rode away. He never hung his hat up at Kitty's place. I should have been a cowboy. I should have learned to roll and ride. Wearing my six shoes, riding my pony on a cattle drive. It is Tuesday morning, and we are here for you every weekday from 9 a.m. to noon. So write that down so you don't forget. And since they have stopped publishing the radio listings in the newspaper, it would be easy to forget that we're on every morning right after the 9 o'clock news. Remember, the first thing in the morning, you can get the local and regional News information as well as national world updates, sports news, money news, health news, tech news, and so much more. Even entertainment news on First News Binghamton with Don Morgan. So what you should do is turn on your clock radio at 6 o'clock in the morning. Or if you know how to set it, set it to go going to say go off. Set it to turn on at 5.59 a.m. And listen for six big hours of local news and information to start. And then some information, interviews, some occasional entertainment, and the opportunity to hear your friends and neighbors on the radio with uh, the Binghamton Now program. Hey, we're here for you. WNBF. Always working for you. Well, it is uh, certainly a bombshell, a legal bombshell with the uh, the court ruling about Donald Trump. And this is a surprise to me that a federal appeals court would say no one is above the law. But apparently the flash is official. Here's um, a story as it appears on the New York Times website. Federal Appeals court rejects Trump's claim of absolute immunity. Now, I'm only one person, so my opinion really doesn't count for anything. But in my personal opinion, just one person's opinion, it's meaningless. But still, I feel compelled to say, in my opinion, this is good. I don't think anybody should have absolute immunity in this country. So here's the lead 
in the story by Alan Fuhrer and Charlie Savage. New York Times website, a federal appeals court rejected former President Trump's claim he was immune to charges of plotting to subvert the results of the 2020 election, ruling that he must go to trial on a criminal indictment accusing him of seeking to overturn his loss to President Biden. I think it's pretty clear what the court believes. The unanimous ruling by a three-judge panel of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit handed Mr. Trump a significant defeat but was unlikely to be the final word on his claims of executive immunity. Of course, Mr. Trump is expected to continue his appeal to the Supreme Court. However, that being said, and I know some of uh, our viewers would say, oh, good, the Supreme Court. Well, he managed to stack the Supreme Court, so it's basically a bunch of um, loyalists to the former president. Well, I can see where some people might think that. However, we have seen evidence in recent months that the U.S. Supreme Court, with the exception, possible exception of one justice, they seem to consider every case on its merits. They don't seem to necessarily vote the way you might expect. Now, obviously, the one justice, he's entitled to the way he operates. And, you know, I certainly won't criticize criticize him. He's just one of nine. And so he can operate that way if he thinks that's the best way to operate as uh, a Supreme Court justice. But the eight others, I think, potentially would be willing to think about the merits of of this case if it ultimately reaches them, but it probably will. The New York Times story also says the 57-page ruling signaled an important moment in American jurisprudence, answering a question that had never been addressed by an appeals court. Can former presidents escape being held accountable by the criminal justice system for things they did well in office. The question is novel because no former president until Mr. Trump had been indicted. So, there's never an opportunity for a defendant to make and courts to consider the sweeping claim of executive immunity that he put forward. So I think this is a remarkable ruling. And many people look back on February 6, 2024 and say that was the day... That uh, this court came up with a, such an important decision. In the ruling, the panel wrote, For the purpose of this criminal case, former President Trump has become citizen Trump with all of the defenses of any other criminal defendant. But any executive immunity that may have protected him while he served as president no longer protects him against this prosecution. A spokesman for Jack Smith, the special counsel who brought the case against Mr. Trump, declined to comment on the decision. So, there you go. There you go. Good news, Dan Bongino and Sean Hannity fans and even Mark Levin fans. We have a new topic that's been introduced to the frothy mix of the 2024 presidential election campaign.
607-772-1290 is the number for those who wish to participate. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to Binghamton Now. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Save in a big way at Galt Chevrolet. because I'll be out of breath by the time I get to the top. Tom and Endwell, you're on the air. Hello, Bob. I just wanted to kind of comment on what you were just talking about, you know, how they're going after Trump. But I just want to let you know and all your viewers know, let's not forget what happened in 2016 when Hillary got the whole dossier going. Everybody knew it was fake. So there is people that are above the law. They did, they did it so much so that they allowed invest, investigations to go through, like the Mueller investigation and everything. And then you can go all the way back to where uh, her servers and everything that were unsecured. You know? All right. So now let's talk about Trump. So they, they say he can potentially go on trial for uh, the insurrection. So what do you say about that ruling? Um. Yeah, because I think that insurrection is not what they portray it to be. I mean, you got to remember, it did take a Republican to release the video, not a Democrat. And you got to ask yourself, how come the Democrats didn't release the video? If it's everything that they say, why did they hide the video? Yeah, you got to ask yourself, why did the Republican release the videos to just one guy and not release it? say, on the House.gov website so we could all watch the unedited videos and we didn't have to see them presented and sliced and diced by that one guy. you got to ask yourself. Well, they sliced and diced them on, on Trump's trial. Yeah, I know about that. I've heard you uh, and, and other people um, who, who hold similar views. So uh, tell me this. Why didn't the Republican release all the videos to uh, people like me and you. Why did we have to uh, see uh, our property? Remember, the videos didn't belong specifically to Tucker Carlson, so they belong to all of the American people. How come they weren't released to everyone? I, you know what? I agree with you for once. 
I agree. Why didn't the Democrats release the videos if it's all that they said it was? Yeah, they should have. But then when the Republican finally was in a position to release the videos and they were released, he released it just to his special media pet. Well, now you got the Speaker of the House that released them as well. So where where can I go see all those videos? The videos that uh, the guy released to Tucker Carlson, where can I see them? They're, they're on there. Where? On the House website? Speaking of Tucker Carlson, he... Wait, I don't want to speak anymore about him. I'm just... I used him because he is the guy, he was the preferred conduit for the videos. Where can I see the videos that Tucker Carlson got? The unedited videos, whatever. I can't even remember how many hours, but there were hours and hours of videos that Tucker Carlson got that nobody else received. Where are they? They're on his website. You can go on his podcast and see them. The House of Representatives website have, has them? They should. Well, they don't. They don't. I want. I want to see all the videos that Tucker Carlson got. Ask your Democrats to release them. I'm asking the Republican who released them finally. Yes, they all should have been released. Everything should have been released. Finally, they were released by a Republican to his friend. I want him to release those videos right now to the American people. I want him before noon to announce the web address so we can give the address to the American people so all Americans can see all the videos that they should have been able to see back in 2021. I agree. We should all saw them in 2020. All right. So you call Congress, you call him, and you say, I was just on the air on WNBF in Binghamton, and the host and I agree that all those videos ought to be released and then you call me back, and you can announce on the air. Of course, it probably won't be today because the program's almost done. You can announce on the air tomorrow morning, right after we start, what the web address is so we can see all of the videos that belong to the American people. I will. I'll call the Democrats and see if they can release All right. Them. Thank you. I appreciate it. We're making progress, folks. Finally, at long last, all of the video that was released exclusively to one man who was fired by Fox Cable because he cost them. He cost them money. He cost them their stellar reputation. And yet that one man was given exclusive access to videos that belong to the Americans. 1125, Bob Joseph on your side speaking out for you saying the things that you wish you could say if you had a talk program. This is Binghamton Now, WNBF. Joseph, this is the real deal. Don't accept any cheap imitations. This is the official Binghamton Now program. Joe from the town of Maine. Good morning. You're on the air. Yes. I got a few things I'd like to talk to you about real quick. Okay. Thank you. I'm, I'm listening. 
Ted Clark's in Waverly. We go down there quite often to get the cottage cheese. And if you want his cottage cheese or any cottage cheese, I usually buy it in the three-pound tubs. You take four or five tablespoons and put it in a frying pan with a little bit of butter. Let it cook down. Scramble up some eggs or raw eggs. Throw them in there and let them cook and have scrambled eggs and cottage cheese. It is out of this world. Okay. Now I'm hungry. Now I'm hungry. Okay. And I got another By the thing. way, do you have any yeah. idea what brand... What brand cottage cheese no. that that that, that so you, many people speak so effusively about down at, at Ted Clark's Busy Market? I, and I talked to a friend of mine. I just talked to him this morning, and he's going down there to get some. And I have gone down there with a spoon, and I've eaten it on the way home from <laughs> going down the store for me. I, as I said earlier, I'm not necessarily a big big fan of cottage cheese. Yeah. And uh, we just received an email a few minutes ago from Johan in Endicott, and he said, I like cottage cheese, and I need to know the brand that we've yeah. been discussing. So if anybody and, uh, and on the know, program knows the brand. we've I've been getting it forever, and I've never checked the brand. All I know is it's good. And another thing I'd like to tell you real quick, you know, Toby Keith died today. This bar, the country and western singer, it was so good. Yeah, and that's why I started this hour off playing a Toby Keith song. I was yeah, and, I was uh, shocked when I heard the news this morning. He was and, only 63. And, yeah, and another thing I'd like to have one day, you probably could never do it, one day not have anything on there about Democrats, Republicans, Biden, or Trump, just a local show and nothing to do with politicians. Well, why don't we... You know what I mean? That well, was, no, I don't disagree, so here's the thing. So I'm uh, going to try... Wait, hold on. Let me just look before I, I make this proposal. So what I'm proposing to do mm-hmm. is Friday, uh-huh. at least for the first hour, mm-hmm. say it's no politics. No politics. And we'll see how it goes. Now, yeah. here's here's the tough thing. We're, we're in an election year, presidential election year, and there are yeah, also... Yeah. Uh, some yeah. local and state contests, too. So it might be hard to sustain, but I, I will request when we yeah, start yeah, the program I, on Friday that we start off with no politics. If it works, because I don't want to be standing yeah, here for three full hours yeah. with nobody calling in if they have politics right, right, on their right. mind. So I will give that a try from 9 to 10 on Friday morning. But I'll talk to my friend later this week. And I'll get the brand name of the cottage cheese, or I'll go down there and I'll let you know what it is. Thank you. Well, I, I could. Okay. I mean, if if push came to shove, I could call. Um, yeah, you could call Tim Clark because I I had a great conversation yeah. with him yesterday. But I know he's really busy. So if you happen to find out what the brand yeah. is, because yeah. yeah, after they go out of business later this month, yeah. there will be a yeah. lot of people who who will miss that cottage cheese. Yeah, and another thing we used to do. Easter time, we used to go down there and get our ham down there quite often, too, and the ham was good, too. But there again, I don't remember what the hell the name of that was, either. Hmm. All I know is that it had a little bit of fat on it, but it was just out of this world. Sounds good. Okay, you have a good day. Thank you, Joe. 1131 WNBF station gets the information that America needs. Dave and Vestal, you're on the air. Yeah, hi there, Bob. Hey, Two straight days of sunshine. Uh, <laughs> something must be wrong. 
Yeah, I talked to, I talked, I, I need to call up, uh, who's, who's the kid there at uh, Carpathian Hill? I should call up Howard, or if he's not there to answer the phone, Brian, I should call both of them to ask him what's wrong with the weather machine. They would know. <laughs> it feels good though, Bob. Doesn't or it? Mark, I could call up Mark over at Fox 40. <laughs> or I could call feels him, good, you though. know what? I could call up Dave Nicosia. Could call him too. I'll call yeah. him up. We'll do a, a WNBF investigation. Two consecutive sunny days in Binghamton. What's wrong with the weather machines? <laughs> but, but Bob, it feels good. I mean, I'll take this every day. Even the temperature, as long as I got sun, I like it. Hey, I, I wanted to tell you, Bob, real quick. I want to ask you if you heard of this guy. You know, I, I saw, you ever hear of Rebuild Local News? You ever hear of that? There's a guy, his name's Stephen Waldman. He, he He's the founder and president. And I, w- I watched an interview last night, Bob, and this guy was talking about the importance of, of investing in local news. And he said 500 journalists were laid off last month alone. Yeah, you know, probably I mean, it was more than 500. Uh, so to answer your, your initial question, have I heard of him? Yes. And I, I'm intrigued, actually, so let me, I'm just looking at his website. So, yes, yeah, Stephen Waldman, the president and co-founder of Report for America. So let me make a note. Let me make a note because if I don't make a note, I won't remember. But so, yeah, I, I, I like basically, um, you know, where he's coming from. And in, he, he certainly understands what a crisis this is, the local news crisis. So I'm going to make a note to invite him to come on the program at some point. So if we could get him on this week, we will. If if it's not possible this week, maybe next week. But I will. There you go. Stephen Waldman. Okay. Yes. Yeah. 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 He he was interesting to listen to, Bob. I mean, he really, you're right. He sounded the alarm. He he was talking about how many local newspapers don't even have one local reporter. Well, the good news about the Binghamton paper is we have one local reporter. And uh, Ricardo is is doing, I think, you know, some good reporting, but he's only one reporter. He's for for the press and Sun Bulletin. That's all we have now. And he started, I think, last October. He um, went to Binghamton University. So he's been in town, I think, for at least five years. So he's familiar with the territory. I believe he wrote stories for Pipe Dream. So I'm I'm glad we have at least one reporter. But can I be honest with you? Yeah, go ahead. Are you usually? No. <laughs> okay. No, honestly, no, I'm not. No, of course I'm. So I'm just looking at a story he's got on the front page today, Ricardo Monaco, and it's a story about heart health in action. So he's doing good good stuff, but he's like one man who works for the press and Sun Bulletin. We need ten more like him. Not just men. We need women and, and anybody else. It's not, not gender specific. We need ten more people. To beef up the news operation, we need a business editor. We need a food editor. We need a movie you know, critic. <laughs> that's true. You know? We used to have all that, Bob. That's you what know? I'm saying. I'm not. I don't think yeah. I'm asking for too much. I, all I want, and this is all I'm asking for. 
I'm not asking for anything we didn't have before. I just want the staffing at the local newspaper to go back to what it was in 1974, 50 years ago. Is that too much to ask? Right now it is, Bob. It's too bad we couldn't. I know. You know what? No, I know. And, and the people, you know what? The people at the paper are like, Bob, don't be ridiculous. You know, and I do know their situation. I, I look, I, I have so much empathy for the people who are working at newspaper, newspapers today, uh, whether they're Gannett Papers or Alden Capital or whatever paper. Uh, I understand what's going on in the industry, and it makes me really sad. So when I talk about uh, a lack of local reporters and more newspapers having to go uh, out of business or newspapers, I mean, what's the next thing? They're going to go to a a system of mailing out the paper like they do now in Elmira and Ithaca? That's the next thing in Binghamton where you, if you subscribe to it, you'll have to wait till uh, the Postal Service delivers it. And who knows... Again, nothing against the Postal Service, but, you know, I want my newspaper the first thing in the morning. Me too, Bob. Me too. You know, Bob, are you telling me that we have communities around the country that all they have to read to actually hold in their hands is state and federal news, and they don't get to read anything about their community? Yes, that's exactly right. Well, it is terrible. and. Mm-hmm. The, the problem is, and I know some businesses and some people in government are salivating that they're hoping for a further collapse of local news. But in the long run, even though it, it means that they'll be able to do more things without anybody sort of as a to oversee uh, what's going on in local communities. So they may get away with some things in the short term, but in the long term. It's probably not going to be good because they're going to be tempted to do things that are unethical, immoral, and illegal. And at some point, if they don't have someone, a watchdog like a local newspaper, then they're liable to wind up going to prison. Yeah. You know, well, that's the problem. I, Hey, I understand the business of government. I understand the business of business. I understand it well. And, and I understand that in the short term... There are a lot of people that would like every reporter in a community just to leave because they have things they want to do. But the problem is they might take things just a little bit too far because if you think you can get away with a little bit and nobody notices, then you're going to try to get away with a lot. And before you know it, you're going to be indicted. Yeah, but if... See if you can get him on there because I will. Well, I'll I'll call him or email him, and my prediction is in the next week we'll we'll hear from Stephen Waldman. The importance of investing in local news. He, he, uh, he Bob, he he, uh, he he gave an inter- interesting interview. I liked it. All right, have a good one. Thank yeah. you, Dave. Joe and Owego. Good morning. Working backward from the the basic conversations, the one you just had. Yes, we'll do the Bob and Matt forum and have that published in Gannett News. You guys can take care of that. On Friday, we will talk about government without the politics involved, and that's excellent. And the thing I wanted to really talk about this morning, or at least broach to you, is there anything in the border legislation that you find positive 
and constructive. I, I, I am familiar with at least two or three things. Well, you tell me. You tell me what you think might be positive in in the legislation, and then you you tell me after you've told me what the positive aspects are, what you think would be negative aspects if if Congress were to ignore Donald Trump and actually approve it. Well, the things that I have caught, there, there are three of them. One of them was increased purchase of ankle bracelets. Uh, a second one was 15,000 beds for uh, people who are coming across the border without housing. And the third one skips my octogenarian mind. But anyway, uh, there's also two other aspects to this bill, at least if I understand it, the aid to uh, Israel and, or excuse me, the aid, yeah, the aid to Israel and the aid to the Ukraine. And this goes back to Bill Clinton's triangulation. If you put enough stuff in a bill, you can condemn somebody from, for voting against it, which leads me back to one item at a time from the government. You want to talk about border, we do border. You want to talk about Ukraine, we do Ukraine. You want to talk about Israel, we do Israel. Uh, this whole thing is just a confused mess of chaos. But you have some very strong feelings relative to it, and I wondered if there was something in there that you found to be positive. Well, I'm not going to go into the specifics. I, I think there are indeed some good things in there about trying to uh, deal with the real problem at, at the southern border, at the U.S.-Mexico border, to discourage migrants from crossing. I think there are some good things. And then as far as the other aspects about funding for Ukraine and Israel, I think they're good too. And But to your basic point about how they they cobble together these bills and it, it feels very cynical and it feels very contrived, I don't dispute that. I um, I think, though, the, the only reason we wind up with uh, a package like this is because they they know full well, say, if they put just the immigration part or just the Ukraine part or just the Israel part up for vote, that uh, they'd have problems. Maybe one out of the three would pass or maybe two out of the three. But that's that's the way Congress operates right now. I agree. My my preference would be everything in, in Congress and even in Albany. I mean, they try to package things, uh, policy legislation as part of the budget process. I don't think things that are part of major policy decisions ought to be packaged in with spending proposals. I think they need to be considered separately and debated separately so all lawmakers have a chance to speak to represent their constituents instead of have, having one of these things that's packaged so they feel ultimately they have no choice but to vote for it. That, that takes us right back to Friday's conversation about government as opposed to politics because what you have gone through is the political process, not the governmental process. And I'm very glad that you have done that. I really appreciate that. 
Thank you very much, and I will see if I can find something positive to share with you Friday morning. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you, Joe. It's 1143. This is Bob Joseph on WNBF 607-772-1290. Everybody is welcome to use our telephone lines. Might as well. We paid for them. Whether one person uses them or a billion people use them, it costs us the same every month. So use them. 607-772-1290. It's Binghamton Now on WNBF. WNBF Live with Bob Joseph, Jesse in Owego. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. I was really thinking carefully when I heard that decision about Trump not having blanket immunity. In my opinion, I don't think anyone holding any office should have blanket immunity. I really don't because uh, they can get away with just about anything. Yeah. So actually, I think it's good for him that even at first blush, he's like, oh, they don't like me. Oh, no. It's just like, we like you so much. We want you to be treated like anybody else in America. You're an American. You love America. You wanted to make America great. Well, the reason America's great is no one's above the law. So actually, you could say, that the appeals court is a MAGA court because they want America to be great and each of us to have all the rights that go to everyone, including the right to a fair trial. Maybe we need uh, an overseer of the Supreme Court because the only thing I'm going to say is the rule of law is the rule of law, period. And the only thing I want is if someone's doing some kind of criminal act, if it was, I just want him held accountable. And that is it. I don't care who the president is, whether I like him, dislike him, agree with him. I agree. I agree. If uh, Donald Trump violated the law and is found guilty, I say, send him to Auburn. They have cells available there. But same with Joe Biden. After he leaves the White House, if he's convicted of a crime, send him to Auburn. Cells are available. If maybe both of them, if they wind up being convicted, maybe they could work as colleagues on the license plate line. You know what? I also understand why no one likes John from Binghamton, but the only thing he's doing, he's looking out for the taxpayers, and he's trying to hold everyone that holds any office accountable. And he wants transparency. That's all we want. We want transparency and we want accountability. And the thing is, even if, and it was a long shot anyway, but even if the city council had voted to put that proposal on the ballot in November, it probably wouldn't have passed anyway. For all we know, it could have been shot down by the voters of Binghamton 95% to 5%. But it would have given the people who pay the taxes in Binghamton, a choice. They could think about it. There could be debates. We could have a debate here and talk about the future of policing in Broome County. But because city council has no desire to get in in the middle of this kind of controversy, so all the Democrats would lose their re-election bids, because this will be 
this issue, trust me, even though it got exactly nowhere on Monday at the work session, this issue likely still be used by, by Republicans against Democrats. I think the only reason why they didn't show up is because this was only a request for a proposal. Now, had it been, or if it does, if it gets approved and they do hold legislation, I can guarantee you they're all going to show up. Yeah, but they should have, in my opinion, and it's only my opinion, if, if they felt strongly about it, they should have been there at the first moment that it was discussed and say, categorically, I as mayor or I as police chief oppose this plan. Here's why. Even if it was only a 30-second statement, just go on the record and get out in front of it instead of taking the chance. What if, what if city council had voted unanimously to put it on the ballot? What then? So if if they felt strongly about it, which, you know, maybe they don't, maybe secretly they don't feel that strongly and maybe secretly they want to use this issue about the future of the police department strictly as a political issue, which I suspect, sort of like Donald Trump uses the immigration issue as a political thing to go against uh, Joe Biden. I think it's I think it smacks of that. I think if. If they were seriously concerned, both the mayor and the police chief would have shown up at the work session last night and said, you know, we were shocked. We were shocked that, that John from Binghamton proposed this. And we just want to say we, we're not prepared to debate it right now. But we want to say right at the start, right at the outset, we're against this. And we urge you not to put this on the ballot, period. I, I agree, but yeah. you just use a key... You just used the key word, though, Bob. You said secretly. And that's the problem I have with anyone and everyone holding offices anymore. There's no transparency. They're trying to work behind the scenes without being seen. And they're passing all kinds of laws, rules, and regulations behind closed doors at probably 2 in the morning. And we know. Yeah, but not city council. City council does it out in the open. So, so it. it it just seems to me, I mean, that, that agenda was available for anyone. Look, John from Binghamton announced it, whatever, a week and a half or two weeks ago on the program. So this was no secret that it was coming up. Right. Well, that's that's my point. If people are so bent out of shape about it, why didn't they show up at the work session and say so? Why are they today, after clearly... The city council had no taste for this, and knowing full well it was going to be used against them politically when they attempted to run for re-election. Why didn't they get out ahead of it? I think, I think they, um, I think John from Binghamton just gave them a convenient political issue. It's the way it looks from here, but I don't know. When the uh, police chief and the mayor are on the program next, I'll ask him. It's eleven fifty-two. Good morning, Vinny from Binghamton. Yes, good morning. Hey, Bob, I just wanted to call in because I heard a caller before talking about um, something that's been mentioned many times on this program about having certain days where you don't talk about something. And I just want to say what I've always said. I think the power of WMBF, this news radio, 1290, 92.1, the power is every subject is important. No matter who calls in, 
I mean, you've got a guy down there who's taking cold calls. Bob, when you, unless, you know, some, you know, the number, or you're familiar with the number or whatever, you have no idea who's calling in. That's the power of this. You have no screeners. Some of these major, huge uh, talk radio, oh, we're not talking about that right now. Okay, maybe you can call back tomorrow. Click, and that's it. You're not on. You don't. You take every caller. So don't, don't, don't make this smaller any smaller don't put any more fences up any restrictions no you know it's a nice idea but you're killing the power of of this station and this radio station is anybody can call in whether you want to talk about your car's not working you want to talk about local politics you want to talk about your 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 state politics national politics call in i want to hear what you got to say that's all i just want that that's the power of this program is you take anything and 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 i gotta tell you what you're doing, I know you must have three hands, Bob, because you got to turn on a dime so many times, five days a week for three hours. You got to turn on a dime and get along and catch up with what people want to talk about because you because we go all over the place. So I just wanted to, and I know you know this, but I just wanted to reiterate to people listening: that's the power of this program. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's uh, Vinny from Binghamton. It's eleven fifty-four at WNBF. I maintain this is a unique program. Some people have said, after I've made that claim, that there's no other program like this in the country. Then they come to me and they say, or by email or whatever, oh, yeah, well, there's a program, blah, blah, at W bleep, blop, bloop. And I look into it. I say, I listen to the program or at least get a synopsis of how they do things. I say, no. It's nothing like this program. This program is allowing people, anybody who has access to a phone, even if you don't own a phone, you could probably go to one of those stands where they're trying to give you a free, I'm using air quotes, a free phone and say, hi, I'd like to try your free phone. Can I try it? And then you use it to call here the program and then say, oh, I don't like it because... I got through to that host, and then at least you could call in. So everybody gets a chance. Here's one quick call. This is a quick final call in our remaining seconds. Good morning. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hey, Hey, Jeff from Wigan. How are you? Oh, good. You you called in at at precisely the wrong time. We're in in the final, the waning seconds of today's program. Can you call in tomorrow? it'll 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 be worth it. I was thinking of you and this station and our communications. And I pray that we will stay on and available because um, I foresee the day that maybe after you leave, we won't have this anymore. Thank you. That's a good way to end the program. Sorry it was so short, abbreviated. It's all the time we have for today. I appreciate everybody who calls and everybody who listens. I love this program. Thank you so much. I'll be back tomorrow on WNBF. News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media station.
Coming up next, ABC News covers the nation and the world. Then, Dan Bongino until 3, and from 3 to 6 p.m., Sean Hannity. It's next on WNBF.